Music, stories, and more, you're listening to RP Radio, a program by Enable Artwork. Welcome. This is RP Radio. This is part one of an art interview with Justin. Justin is a chef, a media sister, entrepreneur, eater, travel, and teacher. Thank you for listening. Today, we have Justin Kana with us. Thank you so much for being with us today. We really appreciate it. And we have a bunch of questions for you. So we're just going to jump right into it. Do it. Thanks for having me. Yes, of course. What inspired you to start with this field? I I, I don't have the, the story of s- standing on a, a milk crate with my grandmother peeling potatoes. My, my mom did not cook. Uh, my dad kind of did. But um, my heritage is my mom grew up in the U.S. and my dad is from northern India. And so um, I didn't really have any grandparents that cooked that much that uh, I got attached to. It was kind of this funny combination of like traditional Indian food that kind of fell out of my life when my grandmother passed when I was 11. And then my uh, my. Uh, grandmother on my mother's side is kind of like a product of her era. So a lot of packaged food, a lot of like just heat and eat uh, Americana style food. And so it was, it was just the right combination of being able to work with my hands, being able to work with people. Uh, I liked the idea of being able to figure out what made, made a new place tick based on discovering their food. So travels on like family road trips and stuff like you go to to a new city and you you can have a meal like uh poutine in canada and you can kind of like oh i understand why they use that and why this got incorporated uh so that was always interesting for me and it was one of those things where i started it and then i fell in love with it i i did a lot of things growing up so i didn't know that i was gonna i didn't know that i was gonna love it or i didn't have this these big ambitions of doing it full-time but you know it just kind of that's how it evolved that's awesome. I love that, like how you described it, that it just kind of evolved after kind of starting to get into it and it just kind of snowballs from there. That's really awesome. And I, you mentioned a little bit about your family and that actually leads into one of our other questions. Do you like to cook with your family? If so, what's your favorite dish to make with family? So on my mom's side, it was always that my grandma did all the cooking in the house for holidays. So Thanksgiving and Christmas and people's birthdays. And so it was actually like I wasn't allowed to go in the kitchen with her. Uh, you know, maybe she was not so confident or maybe she just wanted to. She took that as a moment to kind of be alone. But my favorite thing now is going to India and spending time with that family that I'm like recently uh, getting connected with. And, you know, I've made a couple trips over there in the past like five or so years and it's also a little bit of an interesting dynamic because uh, it's normally the women in the house in India that do the cooking. And so then they, they find it super weird when I go in and ask any of my aunties on, you know, how to make chapatis or how to make, um, you know, any sort of the breakfast foods, how to like, what, what different uh, ratios do you use for your chai? Uh, all those different questions are like, that's my favorite thing to do right now. Um, but it, it, it is new and it's like, it's a little bit more accepted now than it was the first time I asked, you know, how do you make your okra? Uh, which was, I got looked at like I had three heads. How long did you go to school to become a chef? 
Yeah, I went to the Culinary Institute of America, which is in upstate New York. Um, it's a prestigious culinary school that um, is, it has two different programs. So there's a two-year degree and there's a four-year degree. You can get your associates or your bachelors. And what I found value in and the reason that I chose to get my associates is the way that it's structured is you do a year of schooling and then you go out into the real world and get what's called an externship. So you go work at a real restaurant or a real catering company or a real, you know, uh, private chef business. You get some experience for like four to six months and then you come back and then you do your second year of school. And so that first year is all about, you know, like culinary skills, a little bit of product knowledge. So do you know what a parsnip is? Do you know what a Brussels sprout looks like? Uh, do you know all of the different cuts of the, the pig and the cow and how to butcher a fish? And you take all that, you deploy it in a real world scenario and you come back and then you do the things like, you know, uh, management of a staff, uh, accounting, a little bit about HR, uh, how to write menus and, and cost to do food costing things. And a little bit more of kind of like the in-depth knowledge of different cuisines. And then you graduate. And then for me, I always thought that, you know, if I was to get the business acumen, the marketing experience, I wanted that from a real I didn't want to learn that in in school. I wanted like the real uh, tangible uh, nitty gritty of being able to learn that. And so that was my path. That's what I chose to do. A lot of people of my peers found a lot of value in staying an extra two years, but I just did the two-year degree. That's really, really cool. I know, yeah, a lot of people learn differently and sometimes it's easier to learn from experience and sometimes it's easier to learn lecture style. And that's really awesome that you found what works for you and and were able to to kind of, Choose your path. Choose your own adventure. It is your dream cooking cabinet waiter? It's a great question. I think it would be someone who is just has something completely new to teach me. I, I it's really hard for me to um, cook with people where we're almost peers in the in the same light because. It's almost I'm so I'm such a competitive uh, kind of person by nature. And so I'm I would want to cook with someone who has this kind of in-depth knowledge of something that I just completely know nothing about. Um, a lot of the kind of like flavor developments that happen in like Thai food. I'm really interested in um, microcosms of, of India is something that I haven't d d dug into or explored yet. And that would certainly be fascinating. Um Ethiopian food. I'd love to learn more about Ethiopian cuisine. Um, yeah, any of those where it's just like, I feel like I'm starting from zero and I, I, I can learn things. And that's where I find like I can also uh, bring a little bit more value is that like I have my background that I can then, because I look at it in a different light. I look at it as like um, to, you know, maybe go into the music sphere it's it's almost like you have a knowledge of one genre and if you watch someone else perform it's not that you're going to become a performer of that genre but you can kind of pick different things out from you know how the drummer played this riff or you know like the different time signatures that people used um in their music and you can take that back uh that that's probably what i would want to do i don't have any like specific people in mind i do have i do have like a dream podcast list thing and it's literally like 40 people that I want to just talk to and uh you know have them on my podcast which is called the emulsion podcast uh but you know for another for another interview maybe who is your dream podcast guest 
uh, number one podcast guest. I really want to talk to Rene Redzepi. Uh, he's the chef at Noma in Copenhagen. And I, I just really, I find it fascinating how he was able to, you know, he was really in the trenches in that restaurant for a really long time. And he was able to not just scale it to this other sister restaurant that they created, but also do pop-ups in Japan and Mexico. And um, I mean, like he did the he did the dinner as at the launch party for Justin Timberlake's newest album that came out like three years ago. Like, and it was because the name of the album was like Man of the Woods or something like that. And his food just matched so closely with that. And um, yeah, just to hear how he just thinks about um, building brand and making a restaurant almost like Cirque du Soleil-esque. In, like when people talk about going to that restaurant, they talk about it as if they're going to a show versus, you know, going out to dinner. And so I think he's he's done a really good job of not only doing that, but being humble the entire time. Like he's still you know, cooks for his family, uh, for dinner on the weekends. Um, and so he has his own kind of like dark side of, you know, being, uh, you know, kind of loud and aggressive, uh, in his kitchens. And so what he's learned from that time too, I have a bunch of questions for him. So. That, that's really, really awesome. We'll be crossing our fingers that we get to hear from you one day. <laughs> I'm, I'm one DM away. I'm just one lucky email away you got this it's coming for you i can feel it (laughs) do you have a favorite easy recipe that we could make at home the the one that comes to mind and this is only because i made it this morning um is like a breakfast hash i don't know if anybody's ever made that before but it's like this really uh quick and easy combination of just like potatoes, and then the half leftover vegetables in your fridge. And what's great about a hash is that it can be like cauliflower, bell pepper, and green onion. It can be like carrot and asparagus and, you know, mushroom. And it's just chopped vegetables, usually with like a base of, of potato if you want. And then that's just like in a pan, get, get color on it with like maybe a little bit of butter and whatever spices you like, and then just crack some eggs over the top of it and then stir all of that together. And that's, I make, I make that for my wife like three times a week easily. Um, and you know, I'm a little bit nerdy about it where on Sundays I chop all the vegetables for the hash so that all I have to do is like pull out containers of pre-chopped vegetables. Cause 7am is a little bit too early to be, uh, chopping a bunch of a flurry of, of mise en place. But, um, yeah, I think if anybody wants to try that, I think that that's like, uh, I mean, a lot of people, uh, I, I, I don't scoff, but I, I semi roll my eyes a little bit when people order a hash for brunch at a restaurant for like $24. Cause I know how easy it is to make that. And it's just a little bit of, you know, it's, it's a great combination of like learning chopping and learning flavor combinations and being able to season it however you like and heat control. And, you know, because you have to go from hot of cooking the vegetables to then like a little bit like medium low to cook the eggs at the end. And so uh, I just think doing that from start to finish covers a lot of bases for people. And you can actually learn a lot about cooking by making a a breakfast hash. So, yeah, that's awesome. Thank you for sharing that with us. I love a good breakfast hash. And I have to admit, sometimes I am the person that will order one for brunch that is way too much and it's not worth it. And then I'm sad because I'm like, I could have made this same thing at home. But thank you for sharing that, that recipe with us. Totally. Do you watch any cooking shows? The show that really changed my 
perception on what food media in and of itself could be. There's two. So the first one is Good Eats, Alton Brown's show that was like, had a big surgeons when I was kind of like coming up a uh, really fantastic show. They just started like a reboot and he's been a little bit more active than he was uh, on the internet. And I like that they've kind of made it an internet centric show. I think that it was an internet centric show. It was made for the internet before the, the days of the internet were there because it was not the kind of stereotypical have all of your little things measured out in bowls, multiple camera angles, and just kind of like he would do skits in the middle of his, his shows of like, this is how uh, fat molecules coalesce in when you make whipped cream and just wear a funny cream costume or a funny fat costume. Um, so that, 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 that I would, I would suggest for anybody who hasn't seen it. And the other one is the Japanese uh, original premiering of Iron Chef. So a lot of us know uh, Iron Chef as the kind of like Bobby Flay and Michael Simon and who else is an Iron Chef? Kat Cora, uh, where it's kind of like, it's very kinda like flashy and Americanized. But the Japanese one is so great because they were, Jap Japan as a culture is so much more, um, accepting of of weird ingredients and creative and process oriented and so you know where the u.s in america i think iron chef we think funny ingredients or fun secret ingredients is like fruity pebbles or japanese wagyu like it's either got to be exorbitantly expensive or like kind of like weird and cheap from the grocery store Japan would take like sea cucumber and be like this is an ingredient that i want to test the chefs with or you know like forage wild sorrel which is like a really lemony herb and they would task the chefs with creating dishes with that and so i learned a ton about you know just like being adaptable uh presenting food in an elegant way cooking under pressure by watching that show and so those two if i had to say kind of like had a big influence on me now i mean i i i have my roster of recipes that I cook at home. So I'm not really like looking for inspiration to, to cook better or cook more. Um, you know, for the most part, I'll, I'll watch people's content because I'm, um, just really interested in seeing what they're doing from a content perspective. Cause I'm creating content too. Um, although I will share a channel that you guys should check out and you should have him on the show is, um, Adam Witt, A-D-A-M-W-I-T-T. -T. His channel is omnivorous Adam. Um, he reached out to me a while ago and we were, we had started chatting and he's doing really, really awesome cooking content, uh, online. And I like to watch his, his videos quite a bit cause he's really entertaining. Thanks for asking that. <laughs> you should say both shows are great. Yeah. yeah Growing up watching both of those. Mm -hmm. Also honorable mention, Anthony Bourdain. Are you a fan? Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. hundred percent. I mean, yeah. that, 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 that is like changer. a, yeah, I mean that that's honestly like uh, you know, studying writing and not talking about Shakespeare. Like exactly. it's just he, mm -hmm. of course, of course you know Anthony Bourdain. He's up for you know, he's too. Just, just great. Exact. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. Respect. All right, we have one more food question. So since Christy joined us, this is a question that Christy really wanted to know the answer to. Well, is your favorite place to get a hamburger from? Hamburger. Yay! Yay! There's a chain. So I grew up in Wisconsin, so the Midwest of the U.S., and there's a chain called Culver's, C-U-L-V-E-R-S. And I've lived all over, right? So I, I grew up in the Midwest. I went to school on the East Coast. And then after that, I moved back to the Midwest. Then I went to the West Coast, and I still live on the West Coast. So I've, 
And I just recently went on a road trip where I went through kind of like the central south of the U.S. So I've had Shake Shack and In-N-Out and Whataburger and, you know, insert all of the places. And for me, my tier it, my tier list is Culver's is the best, bar none. Butterburger Ducks is what you want to get there. Then it's In-N-Out and then like really tied with In-N-Out is Shake Shack. Like it's super close. Um, and so that's kind of like my tier list. I think Whataburger is trash. I'm sorry for anybody who likes Whataburger, but I just recently had it. It's not great. So if I'm going to, if I'm not going to be cooking the burger, if I can, I'm going to go to, and that's why it kind of reverses when I'm here in Seattle, because I can't get Culver's because we're not in the Midwest in and the closest in and out is in Oregon, which is like a four and a half hour drive South. And so I end up, my wife and I end up getting Shake Shack a little bit more, uh, often just because it's the closest thing we have, but that's my, that's my burger tier list. I love that list. I I'm from the East coast. I love Culver's. It's so Yeah. I mean, call it proximity loyalty of just like growing up with it as I, so like my wife and I uh, got married in October in Wisconsin and our late night food was Culver's. Like we got Culver's for everybody after, after the wedding. I mean, it was like a 12 person wedding. It wasn't like a big party or anything, but like we told each other, if, cause if we would have had our wedding here in, in, uh, Seattle, we were going to try to have cheese curds during the cocktail hour. Um, which is something you can order in substitution of fries at Culver's. Uh, but anyways, that's awesome. I love that you guys did that. Thank you very much for listening to part one of our interview. Be sure to check out Justin Corner on social media and listening to his podcast, The Emotion. Stay tuned for part two. It's to keep you hungry for more. We I hope you enjoyed this installment of RV Radio. For more information, please go to our website, ablearthworks.org. Thank you for listening, and tune in next time.